Hey, what are you doing on March 6th and 7th? How about making your way to DX3 in Toronto for a two-day deep dive into digital marketing, digital advertising, and digital retailing? Along with a free exhibit hall, there are going to be over 40 sessions, including speakers from Microsoft, Salesforce.com, Google, Well.ca, Facebook, Lowe's, and Mountain Equipment Co-op. Come see what one attendee called a rare thing in the digital world. Register at www.dx3canada.com today. See you there. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 116, recorded on February 9th, 2013, late at night. Well, for me anyways, uh, we're doing this across time zones, across dimensions. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located right now, buried under a foot of snow in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Asif, why don't you tell everybody, why don't you show everybody where you are? Man. Where I am, um, yeah, Steve Khan, Location-Based Marketing Association uh, in San Francisco. Um, came out here uh, for a speak at the Apps World Conference, and I'm still here because I can't get to the East Coast where I live because there's no flights. But this is what it looks like in San Francisco right oh, now. Oh, you're killing me. No, we don't have any you're snow. killing me. So it's all good. I would show you what it looks like here, but my, my windows are covered in snow. Like, there's, they're just covered. <laughs> so... Yes, well, welcome. This is episode number 116. It's a jam-packed show. I can't believe it. We're going to be talking about a ton of things. We've got a huge number of announcements to begin with. Requests, some questions, some neat new features. We've got a great guest, of course. We've also got uh, Asif is going to give us a rundown of what it was like in San Francisco at Apps World this past week, which I heard great things from, like your, your uh, uh, impression of that as well. Also, uh, I got my the app that is fascinating me this week. It's an app called Timber. We'll go into a little bit of detail. That we got our six main stories of the week. We got our guest. Our special guest is Dave Lieb, the co-founder of a company called Bump, small company, only the seventh most popular app of all time on the App Store on uh, iOS. Talking about his new app called Flock which is a, uh, um, a photo app. And then, of course, we got this great resource of the week, which was uh, done in partnership with the Location-Based Marketing Association. So this is all just jam. But i got to start uh, just a few announcements. Is that okay, Asif? We've got a few announcements. We'll just cruise through them? Yeah, for sure. One of them, if you can, if you happen to be in Toronto uh, in this coming week, uh, or not this coming week, the first week of March, uh, why not why not hit up dx3canada.com and get a, buy a ticket and go out to DX3 uh, to take a look at what this is. This is a pretty amazing conference that's happening uh, for two days in Toronto, March 6th and 7th uh, at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. Huge. Like this is seven or 8,000 people in the mobile space and the digital space coming together. Guys like uh, Doug Stevens, Retail Profit, Amber Mack, whole bunch of, uh, of people going to be there. So please hit up dx3canada.com. We love these guys. We love sponsoring these and supporting these guys and of course i see if you'll be there i'll be there it'll be a great great event two days in toronto yeah It'll be good. and you know we'll actually be in the same place. yeah i know physically uh, same location uh, there you go that no, doesn't, doesn't. Too once, once or twice a year <clears throat> so please do that uh another another quick announcement uh this is uh, these are both kind of self-serving aren't they because uh this is a book that is coming out March 18th. The date has been announced. It's called The Everything Guide to Mobile Apps, a practical guide to affordable mobile app development uh, for your business. 
It is uh, really done by Peggy Ann Saltz, but uh, Asif and I contribute each a chapter to this book. It is available for pre-order on Amazon. We would really appreciate the support. We had a great time doing this. We want to support Peggy in this, and uh, there were I think there are 18 other contributing writers to this. It's a in pretty incredible, including like Gary Schwartz and a bunch of other folks from Fixu and uh, um, App Clover. So please support this book support this community i think it's a great book and it's it's all encompassing just do a search for uh the everything guide uh to mobile apps uh right there on amazon and go and buy it. it's cheap it's like 11 bucks yeah we don't get rich off of these books uh the last thing that i would love to ask you is to uh, go on to itunes if you subscribe to us through a like, through itunes uh, through any kind of podcast software we would really appreciate a four or five or a five star review of this podcast. It helps us. It helps um, the folks that are involved in this. It also helps distribution and awareness making for this podcast. Don't keep this your little secret. We would really appreciate some build up and some uh, some good star ratings. So if, if you are within earshot of this and you have enjoyed at least one of these 116 episodes, can't guarantee this one, but the other 115, please reach out. Give us a good review. Give us a good rating. All it takes is a few seconds, and it's our form of payment for doing this. So please, please, do I sound desperate, Asif? Please, 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 please. <laughs> no, we, re- we, re- we love the feedback. Uh, you know, we love hearing from people on email, on Twitter. Um, you know, I meet a lot of people at conferences, as I did this week at Apps World. The uh, guy uh, who watches the show, quick shout-out to him, Bob. Uh, Offenstein, um, he's building a cool little new company called GeoHelp, doing uh, location-based customer service stuff. So, and and is a regular uh, follower of the show. So, thanks to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, get out there and uh, and give us uh, give Support us that rating. Us. Uh, we, we really, really. Right. Appreciate I mean, that's all. It's it's a small thing that we'd we'd love if you could do. The last thing, hey, listen, if you've ever wanted to give us feedback, uh, but don't know how to type. You know, don't know how to send us a tweet, don't know how to send us an email, but uh, listen, we want to get your voice on this show. So forget about this email. I don't want to read it. I want you to send it to me. So we got this great thing. Uh, We're doing a a, a beta test with SpeakPipe, which is a service in beta test right now. It's at speakpipe.com. And if you go to untether.tv forward slash talk, T-A-L-K, it'll forward you to our SpeakPipe speak pipe page where all you have to do is hit a button to start recording a message you can send us a voicemail keep it to like 30 seconds or something like that but if you've got a question you got a comment we will play it on air you want to promote a company we will play it on air so go to untethered.tv forward slash talk and leave us a voicemail and that's it those are our public service announcements please the most important one there is that you actually click on five stars on itunes so asif Tell me what's going on in the world of the Location-Based Marketing Association in the coming week. There's, there's a lot going on. I mean, we, um, you know, obviously we've been out at Apps World here uh, and involved in that. We had a phenomenal panel, which I talked about on the show last week with AT&T and Urban Airship and M-Blocks and Sachi Mobile and uh, just uh, great discussions about, uh, you know, push notifications and geotargeting of those and, and you know, sort of the reemergence of SMS um, in, in North America as a geofencing platform. Obviously, big big thing for AT and T. Uh, so lots going on uh, around that. Good conference overall. Really quality speakers. I mean, we had guys from Pandora. All the TV networks were up here. Media companies, the Washington Post. Um, you know, just a phenomenal group of speakers. Um, I, I learned a lot of things and, and met a lot of cool people. So. Uh, so that's that. That's Apps World. Um, coming up for us, uh, we have 
two events uh, I'll quickly make mention of. Uh, our Atlanta chapter, LBA Atlanta, uh, is uh, hosting an event on uh, February the 20th um, called The Implications of Mobile Tracking. Um, and that uh, details of that are, are on our website. And also uh, March the 6th, so not too far after that, uh, in Amsterdam, we are involved. It's not our it's not our event, but we're we're uh, involved in the content of it and helping promote uh, a thing called Solomo City Marketing. So it's it's an event uh, for municipal city marketers on how to sort of use location based techniques and tools uh, help help engage with with citizens in in, uh, in a particular munis municipality. So that should be really interesting too. So. That's what we got coming up, and uh, there's plenty more. Just go to uh, thelbma.com forward slash events, and you will see it there. We've also got this uh, great uh, survey that we, you're uh, looking for more contributions for for the uh, CMO office or the CMO organization. Yeah, yeah the CMO council. council. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a little survey there. Um, you know, we're trying to put together a, a new study on, on location and uh, collect some data. It's a really short survey. It just takes a few minutes to fill out. Uh, so if you're a marketer, uh, in particular, uh, you're the guys we want uh, for this, um, so we'll throw that up there. And uh, please just take five minutes and, and fill it out. It's uh, very helpful. So go do that now. Just go to the lbma.com right after you you give us a good five star rating on iTunes. Um, so I just want yeah, there's a lot there's banners running on the site with okay. the surveys. You can just click on a banner. I, I do I do want to know a little bit about more about uh, if, if you don't mind talking about Apps World. Uh, I mean, what was your take on this? This is you, you've been to the other Apps World, right? So this is a yearly event. You were there last year. I mean, tell me. This is the first time they're holding this oh, event in North, North America. America. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it's put on by Six Degrees, uh, which is based in the UK. So they've run this a couple times in in the European market, and this is their first foray doing it here. Uh, you know, interesting event. They had a couple thousand people out. Um, you know, really high quality speakers across the board. I mean, and a lot of different subjects. You know, we were looking at television. We were looking at second screen. We were looking at you know location. Obviously, we were talking about gaming apps. Um, you know, uh, driving fan base and loyalty. Uh, you know, a whole a whole range of different things uh, being discussed. Um, and uh, you know, lots of you know, lots of great. Uh, Vendors in the exhibitor area as well, um, you know, uh, from Urban Airship to uh, Fixmo to you know, uh, BlackBerry was here. Um, you know, PayPal. Everybody was here. I mean, it, it basically, if you had a toolkit for developers or you were a developer, uh, you were here. Uh, that's that's pretty amazing, and and uh, it must have been you know the bell of the ball was Urban Airship. Obviously, I mean, we had uh, Scott on last week, and what did they raise? Like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five million dollars last week. Twenty five million bucks, yeah. yeah. Did and they announced that there. So, so worthwhile to get out to San Francisco for that event. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I would, uh, and I think they're going to do it again. So uh, when it when it comes back around, uh, highly cool. recommend it. Yeah, Apps World in San Francisco. All right, so uh, we'll jump very quickly into this. I, you know, I'm 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 absolutely fascinated by. Uh, we'll start. I mean, we got to start this at some point, but I'm absolutely fascinated by uh, this app. And and you know, we've had some good feedback about you know discovery, the way that we, we're trying to help you discover some location-based apps. And I think that this is one of these things. I I sat down with with the founders of Timber this week. Uh, we don't. Uh, we're not going to put the interview on here, but if you check on Tether.tv in a little while, you'll be able to see it. But but this is. Uh, this is an app that's fascinated me. It's called Timber, T-I-M-B-R-E, and you can go to timberapp.com, or you can just do, download it on uh, it, um, on iOS. And and what this is 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 basically a, a band, a live band discovery app, but it.
beautiful app when it comes to uh, you, you know I mean pretty much everything but the interface is very cool it's innovative interface um, and it's uh, they've just rolled out their latest version uh, this week and the latest version is worldwide so before they were just localized to a number of markets in the United States and uh, now they're actually going worldwide and it is an absolutely cool app and I'm just gonna kind of you know for those of you who are watching for you who are what is watching you can see that the interface is beautiful. It, it, it scrolls. It's so elegant, and the dates are on the side as opposed to you know the way they've done the calendaring is amazing. What's really cool about this is that um, so this is a Valentine's Day in Ottawa. Blue Rodeo is playing. It's a Canadian band. I'm just going to launch it. It pulls it up. A little bit of information. You'll hear the music. And then, uh, you know, if you actually, the interface is great because if I click on it, I can actually tweet about it. I can go buy tickets. I can do anything that I want with this. But really, the beauty of this is the fact that it's about discovery. Uh, you know, some of the bands that are playing here, Bon Jovi, can you believe it? Oh, my God, I, I can't believe they let that guy in this, in Ottawa. It's terrible. This is, this is a pretty cool app. And, and when it comes to location, like, you know, discovery for bands is, is crucial. And uh, this, this allows you to get in there, be a part of this app. And it's called Timber. Timber app is my latest fascination. I've been playing with it for, uh, for a couple of weeks now. And I'm so glad that they just released this. And what's really cool, I didn't show you this, is that they have the Grammys, a special section for Grammys, same way where they, on the, they have, like, it broken down by category. So you can see, like, best album, album of the year, song of the year, all these kind of things. And it's so cool. And uh, Springsteen, I'll be let you know, is up for... Four, four Grammys. Just, just so you know, four Grammys. Just so, so you know. So go. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've had a chance to play with it too. Um, the, 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 you know, the aesthetic of it is, is just amazing. Like uh, they've done a phenomenal job of kind of sort of capturing the essence of the yeah. music business in, yep. in the design of this. I mean, it, it looks like, it, you know, it looks like a like a, a poster for a band or for for a concert, right? I mean, it, it, it is 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 what immediately comes to mind for me. So. That you know that that fits very, very nicely with what they're doing about finding local acts and and, and concerts and stuff happening around you. Um, so functioning, I like it. Uh, it looks great. Um, check it out if you if, if you haven't yet. Timber, Timber app, yeah, awesome timberapp.com. Go and check out. Yeah, Boston uh, Boston company as well. So snowed in as well. It's just it's just beautiful. So uh, fascination. If you if you've used this, if you want to give us some feedback, as I said, go to untether.tv forward slash talk. Leave us your voicemail. Leave us your review of Timber App. Let's jump into the news, though, please. I mean, people are dying here. We're already 15 minutes in the show. We haven't even started. All right, we're going to cruise through this. We've got some big stories we're going to dive deep into. We've got some, some simple stories that we're just going to, just going to walk through. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, certainly there's a lot of momentum happening right now. Story number one, when it comes to the auto as the app store, right? And I think that Ford, obviously, with their Ford Sync product uh, in partnership with Microsoft is leading the way. And now they've added some location-based services to their Sync platform, which is, I think is, I think is a long time coming. Really, quite frankly, what do you think? Yeah, I was actually surprised when I when I saw this story that uh, they didn't already have more of this uh, in yeah. the platform. So um, it's a very specific announcement in terms of what they what they're adding here. So th this is for Ford uh, vehicles, uh, Ford electric vehicles uh, in particular, the Ford Focus, uh, the electric version of that. Um, so what they're what they're doing is is they they've layered location based services into the My Ford mobile app. Um, and they've teamed up with uh, PlugShare, which is a uh, aggregator of uh, data around you know where you know where charging stations are for electric vehicles, and, and so they're pushing you real time uh, alerts as to you know where charging stations are as you're moving around, 
Um, you can get you know info on you know battery status. You can get info on you know other things to do with hybrid vehicles. Um, you know based on your on your location. So obviously the utility is great. The value uh, makes sense for for anybody who's got you know that kind of vehicle. Um, it, it's U.S. and Canada that they're looking to do this uh, in, and um, yeah, uh, just great functionality. Nothing, nothing rocket science on it, but uh, you know, uh, makes. Sense. I love it. Uh, Kevin Tofel over at uh, GigaOM has a uh, um, has an a, has a hybrid car, and and he has been. If you've ever wanted to find somebody who loves this technology, I mean, he's a geek. He loves this kind of stuff. But he he's been posting his mileage. Uh, you know, he went thirty eight days without filling his tank. Like, it's kind of crazy, like twelve hundred kilometers or something like that, or even more. But uh, uh, so if you want want some, you know, some first hand insight into owning this kind of car, um, a plug in car, uh, just follow uh, Kevin C. Tofel on on Twitter. But I, th this last line that I read about at, um, you know, this story that I just pulled up there was like, uh, the app will also provide point of interest options for charging station info alert users of nearby pizza places and, and nearby pizza places uh, and the like. So I think that they're, you know, eventually they're going to get into this space. And, and I always think that, look, you know what, the perfect marriage here, uh, Ford Sync or Ford um, is going to have to go out and buy something like Waze, I think. That, that there's there's my big prediction based on this. I think that they should buy Waze. Be well, we'll see. You know, the other way to do this is to use like something like Roximity that yeah, we talked yeah. about before uh, on the show where they're already working with the car manufacturers and, and focused on you know pushing the deal content yep. piece into the nav system, so uh, I, I think there's there could be a relationship but there. Roximity is uh, already in there. Isn't Roximity so. already in with uh, Ford Sync? They're already they're already a service, aren't they? Yeah. 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 So yeah. 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 So my guess is you know the deal piece will come from via that. Model. Yeah, I, I, it's it's very interesting. Uh, battleground right now is is the car, the automobile inside the automobile is the new battleground, and I and I uh, I think it's very cool. Yeah, and 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 uh, you're just joining us now. A few weeks ago, if you go to the LBMA, uh, the LBMA.com forward slash research, just a um, a couple documents into the list, you'll see a uh, an infographic that we shared uh, a few weeks ago on telematics uh, sector and and the growth yeah. around that. So. That's our first story. Facebook or Ford. Uh, Ford is adding this location-based services to the Sync platform. I love it. Um, if you need to charge your car, you need this app. You need to upgrade your app. Second story. This is, uh, you know what? I, I love these rumors that start swirling around with Facebook. Is that, uh, you know, uh, Zuckerberg himself said last year, last year, like 2012 was really about uh, shoring up the infrastructure uh, and get, getting things right for, for a mobile explosion in apps that is coming in 2013. And for the first time last year, or last quarter, they said that more than half, over 50% of people who interacted with Facebook did it from a mobile device. And that's a significant number. That's over 500 million people, almost 600 million people. Their only, you know, their primary contact with Facebook is through a mobile device. There's something like 280 million people. That's how they access Facebook. They don't go on the web. So it's, yeah. it's pretty insane. And, and their revenues are annualized about four and a half to five billion dollars. And they have 1.1 billion people using these, uh, using the, uh, the, the, uh, the, using Facebook.com. That's not a great monetization streak. So mobile is so important to these guys. So these guys are now talking about launching this location based friend finding app. And most people who, who, you know, most people who've looked at this, look at this as an ulterior motive um, in order to be able to push you customized ads. First, let's talk about the Facebook. Can they, can they, can they compete in the space? Like Apple's in there, Google's in there. I think they can. I mean, obviously, you know, 
few years ago we talked about their sort of their check-in uh, upgrades and what they're doing around that aspect of location and, and you know the threat to Foursquare from that perspective. Um, obviously, they have lots of location development capabilities via the acquisitions of Guala and Glancy and uh, you know all kinds of other things that they've been buying up over the last little while. So I have no doubt that they can do this um, and they can build a you know a decent uh, friend finding application. I challenge. I think it's very difficult for Facebook to make something like this work well because there's so many privacy issues to to be considered here. And a lot of people, um, you know, who you're friends with on Facebook, for, for those who use Facebook, uh, you know, a lot, uh, aren't necessarily people that you, you want to know where they are or they, or they want to know where you are, um, I would argue. So, so, so I think there's, uh, there's some challenges there around the, uh, the privacy issues. I think they're, if they're doing this, they're, they're going to have to put a lot of very sort of finite, granular controls, uh, you know, on the system uh, to enable people to basically choose when, who, you know, um, frequency, all that kind of stuff because sort of like, it, um, you know, what Glimpse did way back when, um, you know, uh, two years ago or three years ago now, you know, that's one of the things that I really liked about Glimpse at the time was that finite granular control, uh, you know, that uh, let you control day and, and limit to small groups, you know, sort of a la Google Circle kind of model, uh, things like that. So. Um, I think they can do it. Um, I think there's a lot of challenges with the privacy issues. And you know what? I think that they could get away with it simply by by um, the fact that we've all agreed to to what they're about to do. Uh, according to Bloomberg, what they're talking about here is that um, they said that it, it's uh, they have actually we have their their uh, data use policy tells us that basically we've already agreed to this is that. Um, to tell you and your, this direct quote, uh, they may use information on location to tell you and your friends about people or events nearby or offer deals to you that might be you might be interested in. The company said it also may put together data to serve you ads that might be more relevant. So they're already taking our, your GPS location based every time you, you uh, take a photo, you, you check in, or every time you actually put a post up there, by default, they're taking your yeah. location. So this is just another piece to it. They're just broadcasting that. And it makes sense. Yeah. You know, it, you know the part that, that, that I like about this from a, from a business perspective or, the, or the, the, the marketer, the advertiser, the retailer, the whoever, um, you, you know, one of the big gaps that, that for me that I always see with Facebook uh, and Twitter, but especially Facebook is, you know, brands spend a lot of money on building a, a you know a fan page on Facebook um, for you know let's say you're a retailer like uh, Sears, so you you spent you know a bunch of money you've got you know this fan base on Facebook you've got you know two hundred thousand people who say they like you, um, you know, when I sit down with a brand like that I say great you know that's great that you've got this following now and you can engage with people on Facebook, but you know the question is is how do you monetize that two hundred thousand you know followers that you have. And one one way to think about that is where is the connectivity between you know the people who like you in social media, and physical bricks and mortar location, uh, and and your ability to drive them into those locations. So if I have two hundred thousand people who like me on Facebook, do I know where those two hundred thousand people are right now, who've already identified that they're a fan, um, so that I can actually drive them into the closest store to actually engage with the brand. Um, and, and so it's that connection between social and location. That I think, yeah, yeah, we lost you there for a second, but I, I mean, I, I absolutely agree, one hundred percent, is that 
This is a, uh, there's always a disconnect. Uh, just like we saw in the Super Bowl, they said, you know, over 50% of the ads mentioned a hashtag or Twitter. Um, you know, and I, I just keep thinking, Twitter didn't pay anybody any money for that, yet they benefited. They were, they were the common denominator across all ads. And I don't understand why any business would, 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 would focus on driving people to Facebook first or to Twitter first and not their own website. I just, it confuses the brand. I, yeah. I, I don't get that. But maybe this is the way that they, they bridge that because maybe there is all these reports about Facebook fatigue setting in across the, uh, across the interwebs these days. And, but um, yeah, this is, this, from a business standpoint, I mean, when you have 1.1 billion people using your service and you're only driving 4 or $5 billion in revenue, there's a significant problem with your revenue generation. These guys have to do this, customized, customized ads like this. But, so they're add, adding uh, location-based friend finding. We'll see if that comes true. It just makes sense. It'll be like, remember we talked about moves a couple of weeks ago where it's always on, right? Yes. So it'll track your whereabouts. It'll track your friend's whereabouts. It'll ping you. And, and this just runs in the background, by yep. the way. Like it's... it's um, you know, kind of like how Banjo knows your uh, yep. your location in the background. Same kind of thing. Well, they have the talent. They definitely have the talent in there to do this. Um, so uh, good. I mean, we'll see what happens with Facebook. Um, yeah, they need to do these things. All right, our third story. Uh, this pretty unique. Uh, you know, I didn't even know this service existed, man. Uh, you know, where was this when I was learning how to play the guitar? I, I could go and grab it if you want me to play a couple of tunes for you for you while you you talk you talk about this company called Take Lessons. I'll go I'll go grab my guitar. You. You, t you talk about Take Lessons. All right. Yeah, so Take Lessons, a uh, new company out of uh, San Diego area. Um, it's an online marketplace. It's not a mobile app. Um, but basically, it's, it's, it's hyper-local. It's all about finding uh, teachers for music and singing lessons uh, in your area. And uh, they raised $4 bucks as well, a Series A, uh, coming from Triangle Peak Partners and uh, Simer Ventures, Crosslink Capital, and SoftTech uh, VC. And uh, yeah, it, it's um, you know th this is it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, a focused marketplace purely on music and singing lessons, and finding people around you, and th and it, and they've got like you know tons and tons of cities on this. It's across the U.S. Um, you know, so so there's fairly good coverage across all the major cities, from what I can tell. Uh, in the U.S., so if you're looking, uh, you know, for to take a music lesson, check out Take Lessons. I don't know. I mean, I got I got my I got my own lessons. Well, if I could play Springsteen, I would, but um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tarnish his name, not in front of public. All right. So that's great. I mean, if you're interested in that, it's uh, takelessons.com. I think I will jump right on that. This will be my weekend. Takelessons.com. I like that. Cool. Uh, you know what? I I love this. I, I'm part of this uh, service called Live Ninja right now, which is kind of um, um, it. I don't even know. It's for coaching clients, right? So if you have a, a question, a burning question, go to, you know, liveninja.com slash Rob Woodbridge and you can reach out to me. We'll spend 30 minutes and we'll, we'll figure out your, your, uh, the answer to your question, or we'll go a little bit deeper than that. And I love these things. They, they do lessons. Uh, they have, you know, you can get uh, guitar lessons or piano lessons from people. Yoga lessons is what they're doing. But I love this kind of, this, this thing that is happening. But what's really cool about takelessons.com is, is the marketplace. I record a, a how to play Stairway to Heaven on my guitar and I throw it up to take lessons. And if you want it, you can buy it. And that's the coolest thing ever. I mean, I love the democratization yeah. of entrepreneurship that's happening as a result of these technologies. And yeah, it's like the Khan Academy. Yeah, exactly. It is. You have a lot to do yeah. with that, uh, Steve? Khan? Khan? Khan Academy? Do you get a, a portion of that? Yeah. No. Uh, unfortunately not. not. No. All right. 
Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a break here uh, and and jump right into our guest. Uh, we're tr still trying to figure out how to how to morph this show, um, but this is uh, Dave Lieb, uh, remarkable guy, um, smart, smart, smart guy. Sat down with him a couple of years ago, just around the time where Bump was taking off, and um, now I sat down with him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's talking about you know it's kind of looking back at Bump and and what they did. They went from version one, which was a simple app, to version two, which was a very complex app, and back to version three, which is a very simple app again. And they kind of expanded and contracted um, around the functionality. And then when even now that they've they've learned from that experience, they went out and built another application called Flock, and that's what he's going to talk about. Flock is pretty cool. Um, I'll let him explain what it does. Uh, it's a photo-based app, but photo-based app with a location tinge. Uh, and Dave Lieb is by far, uh, you know, he's the thinking man mobile guy. And I, I loved, I loved, I loved sitting down with him. The interview will be in, up in a couple of weeks, so you're getting another sneak peek. But here, and I know you like Dave, and, I, and, and Bump is a very cool tool. And I think we've all yeah. used it at least, at least once. And if you haven't taken... A look at it lately go and take a look at it because they got some very cool new features that they've added to the simple features but uh here is uh dave lieb from bump talking about flock okay so now you, you you've learned these lessons right which is you've gone through this in three iterations of bump um you know established an app built it up contracted it down to its core value and then then focused on the finesse on making sure that it, whatever it is that it did it did exceptionally well right that was that was the goal then you have all of these excess parts that you've extracted from bump and you start thinking well there's got to be opportunities for those right we thought they were good ideas back then is is that the genesis uh is that the genesis of flock or or what was the reason behind it um I wouldn't say it was an attempt to kind of recapture some of the things that we cut. Uh, it, that was not it at all. It, it was more an idea of, um, you know, we talked to these users and we heard kind of, we inferred that the, the biggest problem we had with Bump was that people sometimes forgot to use it when they really wanted to use it. Um, you know, their goal was to do something and they just, it slipped their mind. They were busy. Uh, the phone rang when they were about to use it and we lost them. Um, and, and so that was the real genesis of it. It was, uh, that, that got us thinking and it started this thread that we've been pulling for a while now, which is to move from the, what I call the age of intent, uh, which is where we've been with computing for the last 50 years, where if I want the computer to do something, I give it a command and it, and it does what I want, Right. Um, and moving from that world to this world that I see coming uh, really quickly, which is what I call the age of inference, where the thing flipped and the computing system figures out my intent before I have to think about it. Um, and, and that's really what, what, uh, what you know, Flock came out of. We were talking to users, and we heard this over and over again, saying, oh, I wish I had used Bump to share the photos because I love it, but I forgot. Whoops, sorry. Um, and we kind of jokingly said to each other in, in this small conference room, uh, after talking to some users on the phone, we joked and said, boy, it'd be great if we could build an app that worked for you even if you didn't think about using it and you totally forgot about it. Um, and we thought it was a joke, but it turns out the technologies are there and develop some stuff so that you can actually build something like that. Um, so the way that Flock works is you install it and then you forget about it. You never have to intentionally go and take action inside of Flock. Instead, Flock figures out uh, what your intent might be um, and then pings you with simple responses. Uh, so it would say, hey, Rob, 
looks like you took four photos with uh, your friend. Do you want to share those photos with him? And instead of you having to be the seed of the action, the app is, and you just have to respond. Um, and what we're finding with Flock is that if you make those, uh, those notifications or those alerts really contextual and really uh, relevant, uh, the, the response rate is super high. And, and you know, we've moved from this world where push notifications bug you to a world where push notifications are awesome and you love them and you want to do them because you know they're very valuable. So that's kind of the trend, and it's interesting. We have we have Bump and we have Flock, um, and you know Flock is still much more than, than Bump, obviously. Um, but we have the, the two sides of this coin. Bump is a very intent-based, very explicit. The cognitive hurdle is extremely low, and it has massive usage because of that. And on the other side of the coin, we have Flock, where we're, we're trying to think through what what might be better uh, in the future where are we going where is it headed and we think that this idea of inference um, and contextual apps that figure out your intent uh, are certainly going to be very popular in the years to come so so we want to invest there as well so i mean i don't know if you can answer this question but is it um i mean first of all are, are you dedicating the equal amount of time between these two apps right now you know, it depends what, what we want to get done on each of them. So at the moment, we're, we're doing a little more work on Bump than we are on Block. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that will ebb and flow as we have different opportunities ahead of us. Um, and part of it is, you know, Flock is still a, a infant product, right? It's very new. Um, we're not actively trying to distribute it. We're really looking at the product usage right now and seeing, wow, the engagement's really good. How do we make it better? Um, how do we, you know, fix th these user experience issues? Um, but in the future, you know, we'll see where we spend most of our time. Um, you know, I, I think both have really, uh, really interesting value to users. Yeah, th that's the reason that I ask is that, uh, you know, it just, it just seems like it's constant refinement, right? Like my next question, I think you just answered it, was around marketing for Flock. Is that uh, like, is this going to be a product that you actually have to go out and market, or is it going to be one where you are going to you're going to build it the way that you did Bump, which was um, you, you know make it so that it's word of mouth, make it so that it 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 flies by itself, and uh, and see if you can recreate what you did with Bump. We certainly want to make the product so good that people want to tell their friends about it. That that's always our goal, and you know, hopefully, we'll get there with Flock. Um, one of the other things to think about, though, is they are very different products. You know, Flock is an app that runs in the background. You don't really think about it as much as you might think or show off or demo Bump. Uh, so they are they are very different products from that standpoint. So they may require different ways to get awareness. Um, and, you know, we have yet to really do a lot, but we certainly have a big audience with Bump that a lot of those people probably would love Flock. And, and going forward, we, we may, uh, you know, try to figure out ways that we can alert people about Flock without uh, compromising their experience with Bump. And that is Dave Lieb of Bump and his brand new app, uh, Flock. Now, uh, you know, he talked a little bit about it, but just go and take a look at this. What I love about this, this is the kind of the uh, ambient apps that reside in the background that basically they, they know. So when you take, when a bunch of you are connected and you take a bunch of photos in one location and you leave, it says, hey, listen, you left here, you were all together, do you want to share these photos together? And I think that this is, this is an example, a blueprint of the services that are coming down the road and i think that this is this is pretty cool so if you're interested in this go to theflockapp.com 
and uh, or just find it on uh, on uh, well it's actually uh, for Android and iPhone now so go and download it for their respective stores and we really appreciate Dave coming on and sharing this with us keep look uh, look out for the interview on on TV in a couple of weeks Dave Lieb God I, I love what they're doing I love what they're doing cool they've had 160 million downloads of bump of the bump app I know it's like one of the all-time leading it apps, right? It's kind of right up there with Shazam. Uh, you know, one of the coolest things that of the new features of Bump is that when you uh, when you actually launch Bump and you want to share something, like you want to send a photo to your computer, you know how hard it is with one of these devices. All you have to do is is launch the Bump app and tap your space bar. You know, basically bump your space bar with your phone, and it'll it'll transfer. Uh, you have to go to bump bu.mp that's the uh the url but it'll transfer the photo to your computer it's just i love this kind of technology it's just it's fascinating amazing. anyway amazing so that's dave lieb of bump all right somebody got an email boom that was me. all right Sorry. so uh three more stories and a resource let's jump back into this asif um what is this you know i i, I have not had the pleasure of uh of uh, going to a white castle but uh, it, it, oh come on! But you saw the course, movie, right? Course, yeah, Kumar and what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but now they're getting into uh, text messaging and uh, location-based text messaging for deals and coupons to drive more business to a White Castle. I think this makes sense. I mean, it's logical. Maybe it doesn't make sense. What do, What do you think about this? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's super simple, right? And um, the uh, you know, the, I, I think every every you know fast food, quick serve restaurant chain should be doing some sort of you know deal thing if they haven't already. The reason I, I like this one uh, is you know is the SMS angle to this. It's not an app. It's not a uh, you know pushed into into some other app. Um, you know, it, it's SMS, so it works on all devices. It's geofencing on that basis. You know, this was a big topic of conversation on our panel at Apps World. Obviously, we had AT and T with their alerts program, uh, Power by Placecast on the back end. Um, you know, the simplicity of that. You know, the fact that it works on all the device. Uh, and if you're a White Castle fan, you know, obviously, you know, you're you're going to do this. Um, so, in some respects, it, it's kind of like you know, the conversation we just had about Facebook. So, you know, if I'm, you know, on the White Castle Facebook page and identified as a fan there. You know, it, it's that missing connection to the location piece. You know, how do I drive them into the into the store? How do I get them into in that restaurant? And um, you know, having that location element in this case, you know, manifested through SMS, driving people in, makes sense. So I like it. Yeah, and and uh, this is this is powered apparently by Placecast as well. And um, and you know, I think that uh, the approach, the broad approach. I don't like how they characterize this, and maybe the article that we wrote in Mobile Commerce Daily, which was, you know, uh, that it skews to a demographic that doesn't have a lot of money, so uh, smartphones are out of reach. And I think that that's a, a, a misnomer because smartphones are becoming as affordable as uh, as just uh, typical uh, feature phones. But I like the ubiquitous nature of uh, of SMS. I, I think that. Um, you know the challenge I have with all of these things is that uh, it's it's a little bit random to me. Uh, Location-based text messaging when it comes to you know what I'm going to eat, uh, it, it, it seems a little random. So I think that I'm still waiting, and maybe maybe you can clarify this, but I'm still waiting for that that service that is going to be like getting me off my ass and into the restaurant, right? Not while I'm walking past the restaurant, right? So I think that they're they're targeting it around dinner time, and you're walking around, and if there's a White Castle nearby, it's like no no no. 
I, I want I want somebody who's going to create something that brings new dollars in that is driven. Like I I am going. My destination is White Castle. You know what I mean? Does does that make sense? Because I, I have a challenge with a lot of these things that are all that are just so random, and you expect uh, some great results and a good return on investment from something so random as a whim. And I think that that's sometimes what these SMS uh, location based SMS uh, opportunities are. And did I just destroy the entire reason yeah. that we do this podcast? <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot more to be built around this in terms of um, functionality and feature set. But uh, you know, the simplicity yeah. works too. I'm, I'm simplicity okay is exactly what it is, and I, and I like it. So, and at least they're trying. And I agree. There's no reason why every uh, fast food uh, restaurant, um, you know, should should be doing this. If you got fans, if you got people who love your your product. Uh, you should get them somehow. E email address, uh, SMS. Just get them on that list. Don't, 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 don't hesitate to do that. They like you. All right. Uh, our uh, our fifth story. Uh, okay. So, Asif, um, picture me um, working out at the gym, and uh, you know, I don't know, running, and then trying to bottle that smell. Is that what we're talking about here with this this unique sense? <laughs> like you know. Listen, this is not the normal stuff we talk about no. on the show, but but I really I really like. It. I love this uh, idea. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Um, I, I'm not sure about well, the gym, but I mean... um, <clears throat> anyhow, um, a uh, a scientist, uh, Goldsmith uh, University, uh, Olivia Clements, uh, who works on uh, on olfactory, all things olfactory and, and smell, um, has been working specifically on trying to bottle the smell of specific cities or locations uh, within cities um, trying to capture the essence of, of that city uh, literally uh, from a smell and she's uh, based in the UK uh, so she's been doing uh, she's done South Bank Center um, Birmingham's National Exhibition Center um, this is a really interesting thing and and the data is huge I mean apparently according to the thing I, I read on this uh, we breathe 24,000 times a day uh, resulting in uh, uh, each one of us moving 12.7 cubic meters of air per day per that's person. Amazing. I mean, that's it's amazing when you think about that. And all those uh, we're inhaling smell molecule, molecules, uh, which is how we gain knowledge apparently of uh, of the things, the places around us, the locations. So you know, while this has nothing to do with mobile or uh, check-ins or SMS or anything, it, it's very much location-based. And um, I, I think, you know, the data that she's collecting and the approach that she's taking here is really interesting. If you start to think about how you can apply this concept and layer it into other things. So, for example, you know, I, I could envision that, you know, you're watching a movie in a theater and all of a sudden you're actually getting the smells associated with, uh, you know, what you're, what you're seeing on the screen. I can envision uh, a day where... You know, you're wearing Google goggles type of, of glasses and things, and you know, uh, smell data is, uh, and, and things are being transmitted into, into the experience that you're having as well. So, so, so I think this is really early stuff, but uh, really interesting uh, as it applies to mobile and location. Yeah, we've all had those days where you walk outside and, and uh, you know, the first scent of spring or whatever it is, or there's an earthy smell that, that brings you back to someplace. It always happened to me when, when I, you know, there was a, uh, a brisk morning. It always, and there was a kind of a decay smell in the spring. It always reminds me of India or Pakistan or some places that, that I've traveled. And, and, I, and I love that. And it takes you back. And I think that scent, like something like this, 
can create habits. And that's why I brought up the gym is that, you, you know, there is a certain scent at the gym. Sometimes it's pleasant. Sometimes it's not yeah. so pleasant. Uh, you get stuck behind the meathead that farts all the time. It's not pleasant at all. Right. But, um, but there is a scent that, that, uh, that identifies that you're there. And I think that if you, if, what if you, uh, you know, once in a while, somebody, <laughs> somehow it was projected that scent into your house and it was like, Oh yeah, it reminds me of the gym. I got to go to the gym. Something like that. Right. That, that, that scent is so powerful yeah. when it comes to habit change and habit form. And that's why Cinnabon pushes that smell right out the door because they know that they're going to attract you. And Tim Hortons does the same thing. Right. You got it. And, uh, so this is a very powerful thing. And I think that there was during the web days, they talked about being able to, there was a little device that you could plug in through a USB, through your USB into your computer and it would, and it would uh, send out an aroma based on what website you're on. So if you went to a cooking uh, website, it would try to emulate that aroma. And I think that this is, this is very cool. And I do believe that this has everything to do with yeah, location. Yeah, and especially when you think about like locations yeah. and, and the scent yeah. of those locations. That, like to me, that, that, that's mind boggling. Uh, so I applaud this work and I actually, uh, you know, I want to reach out and kind of learn more. About I think it. it's fascinating. So uh, we'll include a link onto the, uh, on the website, wherever you found this website, uh, look at the show notes and there is a, uh, or wh wherever you found this podcast, there's a uh, show notes and you can go and take a look at it. But if you could just uh, do a search for bottling unique scents of places, you will find a little bit more information. I love it. And, and this picture that I, that I'm going to pull up right now, which is, <laughs> which is crazy is I think she bottled the scent of uh, apparently Ed, Hannah, Alana, and Annie. So I don't know what that means, but I'm so intrigued by this. I got to, I got to figure this out. I love it. <laughs> well, well, like Rob, okay. Pick picture. Now, if she could bottle the scent at a Springsteen concert and just store that for you, and you could like wake up to that every yes. morning. It would be like a whole bunch of smelly uh, middle-aged men. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea at all. All right. Moving Anyhow. on. All right. Uh, yeah. So our last story, this is this is an interesting one because of the severity, the, the speed with which this happened. We're talking about NBC shutting down uh, every, block, every block. And um, the challenge is that this kind of... Uh, I don't know if this enlightens us to any of the challenges that that hyperlocal news has, but but NBC basically brute force shut this down, no warning, no nothing, kind of left everybody stunned. And uh, I mean, you were at at uh, at the Street Fight Summit in January with these guys, and there was no indication they just launched their advertising platform. What the what? Yeah, you know. I'm a bit taken aback by this story myself. It's, you know, they acquired the company, uh, you know, then it went MSNBC, and then obviously NBC took full control of that, uh, and every block became part of that, uh, you know, that organization. And every indication was, you know, positive. They're, they're rolling this thing forward, uh, you know, as little as a couple months ago, you know, when I last interacted with these guys face-to-face. -face. So, so, uh, you, you know, it, it's mind-boggling. Something's going on internally there that you know uh, it didn't make sense anymore to continue with this. Um, you know, big. You know, and the big article comes out. Um, you know, around this with all the interviews and the quotes and everybody talking about challenges and so on. And, you know, and and we've talked about AOL and their patch uh, experiments uh, as well. Um, and as I told you after coming back from the street fight, you know, I was not the biggest fan of that. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was a very difficult model, and um, but but I think it's on the right path now. Um, I, I think that there there's um, they're starting to make money. Uh, it's starting to make sense. But so I'm surprised by this. Uh, I, I, I'm really surprised by this, and 
you know, we're, we're talking about local neighborhood data. If you're not familiar with uh, EveryBlock, there was a big move uh, with with the EveryBlock piece to go, you know, open source a lot of this data, uh, which for me was great and huge for the community. So, um, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, maybe that's the, the one word description for me on this. Yeah, you know, there's a thriving community here because this this they, they shut it down on Thursday and it was just kind of abrupt, right? Uh, one day it was there, the next day it was yeah. gone, and and there are already over uh, almost 1,100 comments um, on this uh, the very last blog post that says farewell neighbors, um, and uh, you know I, I think that that's that's why it's it just so shocking that it was done so quickly, um, but I, I you know the there's speculation everywhere around why this doesn't work um and you know there's multiple sides to this and and but the, the one thing that keeps coming up the theme that keeps coming up is that a national approach to local can't work like a, a cookie cutter template from a national organization like nbc um now there's two sides to this right so there's that that a cookie cutter approach uh, across multiple uh, communities and just to trying to apply the same uh, look and feel and the same services to each community is not going to work because each community is different. And then there's also this this uh, undercurrent, which is talking about NBC as a news organization, that there was sometimes too much truth to the local news for NBC to be able to actually push out there because of sponsors and advertisers. And, and sometimes the news is not good for those sponsors or advertisers and they can't control it as well. So there's these two sides to it, which is which is all emanating from a national approach to local, local, local news. And and I, can can this work? Like, well, I look at a company like Post Media in Canada trying to do the exact same thing, nationalize hyper-local news. And, and it hasn't been very successful for them. It hasn't been very successful for anybody at this point, except for, like, you know, your local neighborhood newspaper, that they kind of get it. So yeah. what is this? Is this... Yeah, it's, it's, I agree. I mean, it's a difficult thing to try and do something, you know, on a national basis that really has to be, you know, super hyper-local uh, to a community. Um, you know, and the same, to some extent, you know, we've seen similar things happen with, you know, some of the Daily Deal sites and some of the, you know, things like that. We've seen really good success on deal platforms that are focused purely on, uh, you know, a local market or just, you know, New York or just, you know, San Diego or, or places like that. Um, ultimately, they get acquired by Groupon and they try to go, you know, like this. Um, you know, but 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 when they're most when they're most successful is when they're purely at that community right. uh, level. You know, and it go, it harkens back to you know sort of a time when you know you would you would show up at the local grocery store or the local coffee shop and you'd have that bulletin board on the wall with all the local postings of you know babysitters and guy to cut your lawn and you know, whatever, um, and, and local news, and, and, or you'd meet there, um, you know, as a community, and that's where you would share the news, right? That is very difficult to capture, you know, online, number one, uh, and, and even more difficult to capture, you know, when you're trying to do that on a national yeah. scale. And I think, and, that, and that's the problem, you know, with, with this kind of stuff. You have to have true local knowledge and expertise uh, on the ground in every single locale, that is, is managing, you know, and, and, and creating that, that information and, and, and engaging with people. You have to be in the community. It can't just be an online thing. You have to be doing, you know, sponsoring the, the, the community picnic and, the, uh, you know, the barbecues and, the, and the, uh, you know, the, the garage sales and all that kind of stuff. That's what community news is. Yeah. Um, 
And, and, and I think that's the problem here with, with a lot of these things is, is, you know, we can aggregate content, fine, but you're not really connected to the community. And, and you know, the only unique content from news is hyper-local news, right? Everything else is a commodity. National news is a commodity, and you can find it anywhere. And why, why would you want to compete on that? And I think the other challenge is obviously a revenue source. Um, you know, these guys have to be sustainable. But it's so funny that, that people always put it in perspective of you got to be sustainable within the context to how your business is run today. But this is a fundamental shift, is that your business can't run like media businesses can't run the way they're being run today and go hyper local. They can't just, they have to change the way that they do well, business. It, it can't be top no, down, no. right? It, it has to, it has to come from, from, yeah. from the ground uh, level uh, in the community. And so that's why I think, you know, if you look at CNN, you know, with the, the Zeit yeah. acquisition a while ago uh, and things like that, or you look at how Twitter, you know, does its location uh, tracking. For me, you know, if this kind of stuff is going to work, uh, in the future, it, it has to be by empowering, you know, just everybody, uh, you know, every citizen out there in their local community to start feeding information and content and what they care about locally in, into the system. It can, it could be national, but it has to be, you know, generated by them, not some people sitting in an office somewhere that are responsible for, you know, uh, Indianapolis um, and you know, trying to you know gather and push content out and publish it. Um, you know, it's got to be people in Indianapolis, you know, on the ground, you know, the everyday mom and dad and kid and teenager and high school teacher and, you know, firefighter uh, pushing the stuff in, into the system. Yeah, and it, and it also comes down to a niche, right? Uh, this is a small niche, but there's, you know, there's a whole bunch, there's a group of Ottawa Valley moms that have got together to create OttawaValleyMoms.com, right? And and it's a it's a very specific niche, and it's a brand that they can actually replicate, or you know, across multiple locations. But but they're very tailored and very unique to this. And I think that, you know, hyperlocal news. I don't know if there's any money in it. Like I just I just don't know at this point. But uh, but there has to be. And uh, I just, you know, when you start to look at it from a national scale, I don't think that these guys get it. I don't think big big publishers get it. And I think there's too much of a risk. They see it too risky because sometimes it gets dirty at the local level. And uh, and they can't uh, they can't yeah. control the news at that level. So uh, this is a this is a big deal. And and this is going to be an ongoing battle. And you know, it just it just happens so abruptly for for every block. And who knows what's going to happen with with any of the other uh, organizations. But this this is definitely a fundamental shift in in uh, in the way that that news is consumed, and I wonder if Ev Williams and his uh, Medium project will will kind of you know eventually fill this fill this hole at, at the hyper local level. We'll see. So I mean I don't know what to say. If you want to go and read some of the uh, comments, you just go to uh, everyblock.com. There's a there's a link off to the blog comments, but there's you know almost 1,100 comments about this, and and obviously it was uh, it was a shock to a lot of people. So uh, and you know I'd be interested if you've if you've used every block or if this is something that you have a an expertise in, weigh in with your two cents. Just go to uh, untethered.tv forward slash talk and leave us a voicemail, and we'll we'll play it uh, at the end of uh, next show. That, that's the best way to do it. Voice your opinion. If we're way off, this is how you do it. You can tell us we're crazy right in the phone. So that, that's it. Those are our six stories. A great interview with uh, Dave Lieb, our, uh, kind of my fascination this week, which is, uh, which is Timber. A little bit of a review. And, and we're going to fi- finish it off with, with something that, uh, that you, Asif, the LBMA had a firsthand uh, involvement in putting this together, which is the, basically, this is a massive study 
that says uh, 14.7 million people engaged locally with retail brands in the in uh, the last quarter Q4. What is this? This is a staggering number. Talk about through the methodology, and let's finish off with this great resource. Yes. Yeah, so um, you, you, basically, we worked with one of our, uh, our member companies, Venue Labs, which is a, a fantastic sort of uh, uh, location-based monitoring uh, analytics uh, technology company uh, based in Seattle. And uh, you know, big thing for us this year at the LBMA is to, is to get more data out there, get more research out there. Uh, you know, just power people with information. And uh, so what we decided to do is, is, is to work with the Venue Labs data. They're tracking, you know, 300,000 merchant locations uh, currently uh, across uh, primarily the U.S. and, and Canada. Um, and, uh, and what we're doing is, is, is we're looking at, it's, it's one thing for uh, a brand like a, a McDonald's or a Subway or, you know, a Macy's or, or, or somebody like that uh, to say, you know, here, here's, here's what's going on as far as, the social uh, conversation about our brand, you know, maybe tied to you know uh, some locations and things like that. But you know, being able to marry up sort of the brand conversation with the super local, like individual storefront uh, conversation. Um, so combining location data in terms of check-ins and sentiment data, um, you know, at a at a individual location. Uh, Context and marrying that up with the overall brand environment, you know, creates this uh, this benchmark that we decided to put out there that says, you know, you know, how many people are missing conversations or missing opportunities to engage with customers, um, and are, and and are not understanding the the customer satisfaction issues and the sentiment at a very local level. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, across McDonald's, you know, uh, all their locations in the U.S., you know. Uh, 23% of people, you know, had a positive experience, uh, you know, uh, in their last year. Okay, but when you start to dig that down to individual restaurant locations, and you look at it and go, well, actually, you know, this particular restaurant in uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, has 80, 86%, you know, uh, approval or positive uh, feedback, you know, relationship between people who are actually going and the people, you know, that work there and and, and manage that location compared to other ones. You know, so it's one thing to look at an average versus, you know, individual location. That's what we're trying to do is to, is to draw attention to the opportunity to understand the individual location uh, information. So we did this for four benchmarks, uh, um, retail, uh, uh, hospitality, cute, quick serve restaurant chains and fast casual brands. Uh, so there's four uh, infographics there and a bunch of data on it. And uh, just some phenomenal information. So you can either go to streetfightmag.com and uh, find the article there with it, or you can link to it uh, directly from the research section on the uh, LBMA site as well. Yeah, such deep research. And I, I mean, I loved it. And, and the angle with which you guys are taking this is, is great because, uh, you know, the fascinating thing about this whole social, local, mobile world, this solo mo world, if you will, is that um, we are using nonverbal cues to determine whether or not we like or how, how we have a sentiment towards a brand, as you said. So, I, I you know, the, the great example is, you know, I take a picture of my food as opposed a, a, and comment on that as opposed to speaking specifically about a restaurant, right? I just take a photo and, a, and I tag it as a location. And um, that is a brand interaction that may be missed. And, and I think that these, if you don't get that, and that staggering statistic that I just pulled up there, which was 85%, was it 85% 
uh, the sentiment of brands are missing. And I think that this is this is a an epidemic. It's like that, you know, they talked about this, the black or the white noise or the, the black yeah. internet, which is basically email, uh, sharing things by email. This is the same kind of thing is that you got to understand that brand sentiment extends beyond words. Boy, does it ever. So, uh, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, for sure. So just some great data there. And and it's a quarterly thing. So we're going to continue to update these these four benchmarks every quarter. We're going to put it out with new data. And it'll be interesting to see how it tracks Very cool. you know, quarter to quarter. So uh, anyways, take it. a look. And then you, you hope to kind of influence these these brands, these hospitality, like the restaurants, the fast food restaurants and the, and the hotels too, to kind of think about how, um, you, you know, expanding their view of, uh, you know, how... I don't know how customers classify them and how they interact with the the customers interact with their brands. Like, what do you hope to to come from this? Yeah, I, I think we want to just draw attention to you know they're missing uh, a lot of the conversation. They're missing a lot of the information that's that that is available out there, and uh, it, it could certainly help them you know change you know the way they you know do customer service. It can help them you know uh, change their their store location. Uh, you know, planning, uh, you know, real estate acquisition models. I mean, there's a lot of things that this this could potentially uh, affect. Um, and this is for you know, really any business, uh, any brand that has multiple storefronts. I think this makes Very sense. Very cool. All right, so check it out. You can either yeah. go to uh, streetfightmag.com and do a search, um, or you could just hit uh, the lbma.com forward slash research, and it will be there as well. And uh, these are some great uh, some great infographics, man. Great job on that, Asif. Awesome, 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 awesome. All right, that concludes it. We're done. Episode 116. Now, provided that Asif makes it back to Toronto in time uh, for next week, I think we'll, we'll be able to get back to our regular scheduled time. Um, and, uh, you know, we record these on Friday afternoon, certainly recapping the best news of the week in the location-based marketing industry. If you would like to participate, head over to untether.tv forward slash talk, leave a voicemail, leave a comment, let us know how we're doing. We'd really appreciate that. Of course, you could do the old traditional route as well, which is email. You can reach me at rob at untether.tv or asif at the lbma.com or through Twitter, of course, at Rob Woodbridge or at Asif R. Khan. I think that's probably enough ways to reach out to us, right? Yeah. Thank you for listening, watching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. We really appreciate it. We can't thank you enough. You can thank us by just giving us a good review at the iTunes store. We'd really appreciate that. We'll be back next week for episode number 117. Everybody enjoy your week. Be safe. See you next week. See you.